seek ye first the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of self. Then all these things will be added unto you. When you get a bunch of people in a room who are seeking hard after Jesus, who are running hard after Jesus, can you imagine the revival that's going to take place? Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Fathers, we come before you today in this stillness of this room, in this Glorious sunshine that is shining, Lord, I pray that the Son, Jesus, would shine on us like never before. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move in this place, that you would grab a hold of us, that you would grip us. Holy Spirit, I pray that that myself and every person in this room today would just right now, we would just yield ourselves to You. So Father, a lot of us in this room have brought in some heavy burdens. And, And for some, it was probably a miracle to get here. And yet, Father, right now, we rest on Your Word when Your Word says this from Jesus Himself, to cast Your care, Your burdens upon Me because I care for You. So, Father, right now, as we collectively just heave our burdens on You, like right now, we just heave them on You. We know we can trust You. And so, Father, help us at this very moment as we open the Word, as we look into the beauty of the Gospel. Father, I pray that You will do something today in this room that has never been done before. Holy Spirit, will You move in power? Protect us from the schemes and the lies of the enemy. Pray those things would be exposed and that we'd walk in truth, that we'd walk in humility, that we'd walk in repentance, that we would walk in being forgiven and extending forgiveness. And so, Holy Spirit, you take over. as we look to our true senior pastor, King Jesus. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to You and You alone, my Lord, my Rock, and my Redeemer. And we pray this in the mighty and the matchless and the most wonderful name there is. The name that on that day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that King Jesus is Lord. We pray this in His name and His name only and all God's people shouted. 
Take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, we are in verses 10 through 11 today. As you're turning there, I was thinking on a couple thoughts here this past week, and one of the thoughts was feelings. For all you tough dudes in the room today, I'm sure you have happy, sappy feelings. The thought occurred to me that feelings often do one of two things or both, and the one of two things or both are simply this, that my feelings aren't always reality. Just because I feel something doesn't mean it's real. Secondly, my feelings often will betray me. And as I began to think on that, what I believe the Lord was impressing on my mind and my heart, and I I pray that this can be conveyed to you as well as this body of believers that we're here today, we're excited, we want to hear the Word, we want to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. My challenge for me and you today is, is let's get out of the feeling business and let's get into the knowing business. To see that there's something that happens when a a person, a home, a dad, a mom, a a grandpa, a grandma, that they begin to marinate in the Scriptures. Because as we tackle life tomorrow on Monday, and you go back out into the world, one of the enemy's vices is to get us feeling a certain way. But we always have to look at what's going on around us, not from how do I feel, but what do I know? And when you begin to open the Scriptures and you mind the Scriptures and you see the Scriptures for what they are, here's what you do. You quickly are able to identify the lies and the schemes of the enemy. So often as we see here in 1 Peter, as we studied last week in 1 Peter 3, 9, that we are not to repay evil for evil. It's real easy when someone is attacking us to want to lash back out. It's real easy to want to attack. It's it's real easy to say, well, well, they hurt me, so I'm going to hurt them. And you don't understand, preacher, about that family member. I'm convinced they're the spawn of Satan. And so often what happens in family dynamics, that's where the enemy works so gloriously, doesn't he? But you got to remember one simple premise. It's light versus darkness. Ever been around someone who doesn't want to be around you as you shine the light of Jesus? They avoid you at all costs. They won't look you in the eye. Here's why. When you give your life to King Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, the Bible says. You have the light of the gospel living inside of you, the living, breathing light of the gospel. And those who are walking in darkness but profess Jesus hate the light. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, I believe today we will see what we're to do. And so here it is in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 11, as we see how to love life and see good days. 
Anyone else want to love life and see good days besides me? I know I do, amen. I want to love life. I want to see good days in the Lord. I want to live for Him. I want to make a difference. I want to see revival and awakening on this corner that God would transform this community for His fame, for His praise, for His glory, that we would go low, that He would go high, that His glory would rise above us, and that just droves of people all around this community would run to the cross of Jesus Christ. Well, here's how we see good days. 1 Peter 3, verse 10. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, so he casts the net, doesn't he? Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Verse 11. Let him turn away from evil and do good. And lastly... Let him seek peace and pursue it. Now again, there's a connection here, so don't miss this. As we're studying Scripture, we have our Bibles open, we got our notes handy, our hearts, our minds are wide open. We're saying, Lord, speak to me. Go back for just a moment up to verse 9. Let me read that one more time here, one more time from last week to set the stage. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Slander for slander, but on the contrary, bless. Why? For to this you were called, why? That you may obtain, that you may secure, that you may receive, that you may take hold of a blessing. It's interesting when you look at this phrase in verse 10 of whoever desires to love life, it really means this. You could say it like this, church. You could say, loving life Seeing the good days is all an outflow of pleasing our Savior. Have you ever thought about that? I was thinking about that this past week, and I would ask you, I invite you right now to do this exercise with me, but when you look at your life, I look at my life, make it very internal focus in a healthy way. Is Jesus pleased with me, and is Jesus pleased with you? I mean, just marinate for a moment. Let that sink in. Is Jesus pleased with me? And is Jesus pleased with you? See, if we're really going to live the good life, if we're really going to live the life that will see good days, it's going to be a life that says, Jesus, here's the deal. The blinders have been removed. I no longer want to walk in this foolish nonsense or I'm bowing to the enemy and the idol of self. And all I want to do, though, for the rest of my days, whether it be this afternoon or whether it be decades from now, all I want to do, Jesus, is just live for you all the days of my life. Those are good days. Those are fulfilled days. Those are content days in the Lord that only He can bring you. This world won't bring it to you. You can't buy it. You can't move to this location, drive this car, have this bank account, have a retirement plan. All those things are good in and of themselves, but it will never bring you to the good days that you're really seeking. And Peter knows this. He's talking to these dispersed, persecuted Christians, and he's saying, man, I know that right now, man, your life is like in shambles. 
But in the midst of that, he says, let me give you some truth, and the truth is this. He says, I want to give you three let hymns, if you will. Three let hymns in these two verses. Now, church, anytime you see the words let him, it actually means this, do this. So every time in Scripture it says let him, every time that you see that in Scripture where it says let him, automatically go to your notes in your Bible and say, do this. Well, what's the first one? Here it is. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Now, isn't this kind of ironic when you think through this? If you were to take a survey of people and say, hey, write down on a piece of paper and turn it into the teacher how you view what a good day and a good life will look like, do you think the first thing at the top of the list is to keep my tongue and mouth from evil? Why on earth would Peter go there? Like, why? Of all the things that the Holy Spirit could have instructed him to write and to say, the first let him is this, John, watch your mouth. You know, it's interesting when you go back up to verse 9 there and you think on that about repaying evil. Jesus in the greatest sermon ever preached, and it was a long one. It was chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. He deals with the heart. He gets to the core of the matter and he says, look, if you're really going to be a believer in me, if you're really going to be a light for me and a witness for me and not blow your witness as you live your life, we must guard what's in our heart that's not of him. Repent from that. Turn from that. Confess that and not allow it to spill forth. As I was just processing that, it struck me when I was making this note here at the bottom of my sheet, I said this, that here Peter addresses both the tongue and the lips. <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. He could have just said mouth and prayerfully would have wrapped up the teaching. I believe there's a reason there, because he knows, as James told us in James chapter 3, that the tongue is full of deadly poison, and here Peter unpacks this. He says this phrase, let him keep his tongue from evil, wickedness, the things that are not of God, but then he goes deeper here. He says this, and his lips from speaking deceit. Now, we've got to remember this. The word deceit or to be deceived means this, to be baited, to be tricked, to be lured, to be seduced. So when we are speaking deceit, what are we doing? We're actually working for the enemy, and we're speaking things that are simply of darkness. That's the deception of deception, isn't it? We've convinced ourselves we're walking in the light when we're really walking in the darkness. The enemy is so crafty, he's so cunning, he's so sneaky in what he does. But there's a word in there that's so critical, church, that we've got to understand. And Peter uses this word, he says this, keep. K-E-E-P. He says, keep, John, talking to me, John, keep your tongue, keep your lips from these things. 
from evil, from deceit, from darkness. When he uses the word keep, church, this is very, very important. You've got to understand this. When he uses this word, the way this is in the original actually can mean this. Not just to like keep back, like we think in the English. You actually could argue this, that it means to actually put to death. Now that brings a whole new definition, doesn't it? Let me read this again. Verse 10. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him put to death his tongue from the evil. Let him put to death his lips from speaking deceit. In other words, this, when he says keep, he's saying this, don't allow any wiggle room. You guys ever done that before? Probably not. You guys are good Baptists, amen? You ever done that before, though? You know, it's kind of like, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And you're like, well, let me fudge just a little. You know, maybe, maybe a little smidge isn't too bad over here. Easy to rationalize, isn't it? Very easy. I mean, it's just so easy to talk ourselves into, well, this really isn't that bad. Now here, Peter says, look, keep at all costs. That's why key number one, write this down, key number one. Here it is, key number one. If I desire to please the Lord, I will put away all evil and deceitful speaking, period. Key number one, if I desire, if you truly desire today, you say, you know what, I really want to serve the Lord. I don't want to keep living this life of nonsense, of discontentment, of rebellion. I I want to live for Jesus. If I really desire to please the Lord, I will put away I will put away all evil and deceitful speaking. I mean, can we get honest for a moment, church? Do you mind if we get honest for just a moment here? You know, even as believers in Jesus, to that point earlier of rationalizing, how often do we fall into or dive into maybe fallen to sounds like we stumbled into it. How did I get here? Maybe we dove into it intentionally, but gossip, complaining, bitter speaking, unholy. You know, on and on we could go with criticism and slander. And the reality is, is we so often, again, go against the big sins. Don't rob banks. Don't murder people. Don't sleep around. I'm good to go. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible told me so. Amen? And yet all while living in these rationalized, as one author put it, respectable sin. See, God's not going to bless my life. He's not going to bless my life if I live in those things. Matter of fact, the Bible says it like this, Proverbs 10, 19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Did you catch that? From the Word of God, the underpinning of the Word, that we have a key point here today, and we're going to have several scriptures that underpin, because if all I'm doing is giving you my thoughts and my opinions, we all lose. But when we go back to the Word of God and say, here's the overarching thought of this verse, now let's underpin it, let's undergird it with pylons of steel. Steel of what? Not what I feel, but what I know. 
when we begin to infuse into our souls and our minds and our hearts the written, living, breathing, active Word of God, it begins to penetrate in such a way that our hearts are ripped wide open. And if we're trying to work against God, He says, oh, no, 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 no. This is the Word. When I talk too much, there's often some sin involved. The Bible also says it like this in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12, write that down. Matthew 12, 33 through 37. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. Here it is, church. Here it is. Don't miss this. For the tree is known, how church? By its fruit. That right there ought to scare us into holiness. You can play the game, you can do the charade, but as we often say, time is the great exposer of who I and you really are. And at some point, who I am and who you are will be revealed. A tree is known by its fruit. Verse 34, you brood of vipers. What docile shepherd, sheep-like Jesus came off the top rope, didn't he? You brood of vipers. Not a compliment. Speaking to these religious prideful elite. How can you speak good when you are evil? (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Precious Jesus. For out of the abundance of the heart, church, what happens? The mouth speaks. It's amazing what we say about others, isn't it? The good person out of the good treasure, his good treasure, brings forth good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, verse 36, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I don't know if that rattles anyone else's cage in the room, but it rattles mine. It's like, wow, Jesus is really serious about this holiness business. He's really serious about being all in. He's really serious about surrendering your life to Him. You say, well, how does that fit into all this? What do I do with it? I mean, how practically? Give me a scripture there. We'll write down James chapter 119. James 119. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to what? Hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Because in verse 22 of the same chapter, one of James, he unpacks this and he says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because when we're hearers only, when we talk a good game, but we're really not living the life of Christ, Who's getting deceived from that verse? Me. And what is the deception of deception? The deception of deception is, I'm walking in the truth. When I'm really walking in the darkness. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. 
In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Number two, the second, let him do this, if you will. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Now, this is interesting. So this is quoted from Psalm 34:14. If you want to go back to Psalm 34 later, you're going to see these direct quotes of this verse, these verses, 1 Peter 3, 10 through 11, are right there in Psalm 34. He's pulling again from the Old Testament because his audience is largely Jewish. And he wants to identify, and he says, let me pull from something here so they get this. And he says these words, let him do this, turn away from evil, and do good. Turn away, repent. Literally, just repent. Don't keep repeating apologies, that's not repentance. That's I got caught, and I'm going to modify my behavior until I get caught again. No, turning is a change of the mind. It's an about face, a military term for you that served in the military. About face, and you turn around, and you don't go partially in a different direction. You go totally in a different direction. Walking towards darkness, walking towards sin, you go, I don't want that nonsense anymore. I don't want it in my life. I don't want it in my house. I'm going to turn, and I'm going to repent from it, and I'm fleeing into the arms of Jesus. And that's what Peter's saying. He's saying, turn from evil, turn from wickedness, and do good. What does that mean? It means this, to exhibit Christ. It means this, to live a life of holiness, to live a life of obedience. People go, that's a really high bar. It is a high bar. But have you thought about this, church? If your walk and my walk is a direct outflow of being either in union to Christ or not being in union to Christ, do you see how much easier that bar is going to be attained when I'm in union to Christ versus when I'm not in union to Christ? In other words, this, it's outflow. If you've really given your life to Jesus, and it's not a charade, but you know what? It is real. It is true. There's not a Christian mask that you wear on Sunday. You take it off, hang it on the coat rack when you get home, live a different life in darkness Monday through Saturday, put the mask on for Sunday morning and come back. When it is a true life that's been surrendered to Him, we're not perfect. We all struggle. I'm at the top of the list, but I will tell you this. When there is a direct connection to the Lord Jesus Christ in my life and your life, we don't have to overly work at this. It's just an outflow of who we are. Actually, let me rephrase this. It's an outflow of whose we are. That's why I think so many people inside the American church today are just struggling. They're trying to keep up a facade that's not real. And they have this internal war as they're battling the light and the darkness. We do good. We turn away from evil. That's why key number two, write it down. Key number two, here it is. If I desire to please the Lord, 
I will turn away from evil and do good. Key number two, if I desire to please the Lord, I will turn away from evil and do good. You know, again, so often, even inside the church across America, we have this definition of what good means. I mean, this happens all the time. You know, I run into somebody and, you know, so-and-so, and I'll say, well, tell me about so-and-so. And they'll say, well, oh, man, he's, well, he's, a, he's a good church-going guy. I'm kind of like, what does that even mean? Like, what's that even mean? A good church-going guy. I mean, I very rarely talk to people and, you know, tell me about so-and-so. Man, oh, man he has surrendered his life to Jesus. Oh man, his life is no longer his own. This guy's just all in for the gospel. As we seek to turn away from evil and do good, I believe these scriptures will speak to our hearts. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7. Proverbs 3, verse 7. Write it down. Listen to this command Be not wise in your own eyes. That's a struggle, amen. Anyone else like struggle with that one? Fear the Lord and help me, church, turn away from evil. Fear the Lord. See, it's hard to fear man while you're fearing the Lord and vice versa. Like if you're living and you're fearing man, you're not fearing the Lord. But when you fear the Lord, something happens. When you fear the Lord, there's a stiffening of the spine. When you fear the Lord, you just know that no matter what comes against you, that the Lord is on your side, and I will not fear. Psalm 118, what can man do to me? It produces a confidence as you rest in the Savior. Jeremiah 26, had to throw in Jeremiah. He had an easy life, didn't he? No. He was in derision, he says, all day long. He's a laughing stock. Jeremiah 26, 3. It may be they will listen. And everyone turn from his evil way. Why? That I may relent, God is saying through Jeremiah, that I may relent of the disaster that I intend to do to them. Why? Because of their evil deeds. See, something happens when we repent, when we turn, humble ourselves. Something happens in that. And that's why in 2 Chronicles 7.14, you guys probably have this one, what, embroidered on your toothbrush at home, right? This is like one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture. What does it say? 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name out of the gate, number one, will humble themselves. And pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Oh, I believe God is waiting. I believe He's waiting on professing believers, the American church, to lead in the repenting, to lead in the humility, to lead in seeking Him, to lead, to lead, to lead. And I believe once we do that, once I as the pastor of this church do that, I believe a lost and watching world will finally take notice and say, tell me about this Jesus who is called the Christ. 
It's interesting when I read that verse, the first three words, if my people. Church, I want you to read this with me out loud. Let's read this verse together right now. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I don't know about you, but does anyone else besides me today want the United States healed? I mean, we are in dire straits. And by the way, let me just throw this out there. We are living in a country today that has such a crisis on our hands that has nothing to do with the flesh, but it's everything to do with the spiritual. And we are seeing unfold before our eyes as you go out to your workplace, the school, and the business, and what you're facing today, and what's pressing in on you, and how you're pressured to conform to celebrate sin. As you are in this today, I know this confidently, that the reality is this, we will never solve man-made issues unless we get to spiritual solutions. Because the reality is, at the underpinning of the man-made rebellion, it's a spiritual crisis. If my people, I mean, what would happen today? What would happen today if all of us just kind of said, you know what, man, we don't care what happens to us. If they want to kill us, they want to throw us in prison, it doesn't matter to us, man. We're just all in for Jesus, and, and we're going to go make a difference wherever God sends us from this point forward. Can you imagine what would happen right here in Chester, Virginia? You say, well, we don't have enough people to accomplish that. I beg to differ. <laughs> no, no, no. And Jesus had 12. The devil entered into one. He really poured into three. And the book of Acts says this, they turned the world upside down for His glory. I think God's waiting on believers all across this country to totally surrender all of their lives to Him. Maybe the Lord's not listening because we're not repenting. Maybe the Lord's not listening because we're not being humble. Maybe the Lord's not listening because we're not really seeking His face and His glory. The last let Him, here it is, number three. Let Him seek peace and what church? Pursue it. Seek. It literally means this, to intentionally go after. You guys ever played hide and seek before? No, you're adults. You don't play that game when you were a kid is what I meant. You know, you were a kid and you played hide and seek. Maybe you do. Maybe you got grandkids and you play hide and seek and you know, you know grandpa and grandma, you want to beat them, don't you? You don't lie, you're in church. You want to beat those little rascals, don't you? I know I did when my kids were young. Man, it was game on, right? I mean, this is game on, man. I don't care if you're two. <laughs> I'm going to make you suffer, man. I'm, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to find you. You know, it's interesting whenever we would play that game, hide and seek in our house when they were young, and there's a lot of truth to what I'm saying about it. It was game on, very competitive in our household. But it's interesting because, you know, even at the age of, let's say, two, three, or four, they wouldn't find me by accident unless I was being the good dad, right? And 
laying in the middle of the room. Oh, look, you found me. How'd you do that? Now, when we seek, the biblical meaning of seek is that there's an intentionality. There's an urgency. There's a desperation. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of self. Then all these things will be added unto you. I mean, you get a bunch of people in a room who are seeking hard after Jesus, who are running hard after Jesus. Can you imagine the revival that's going to take place? Intentional, urgent, peace, the tranquil state of the soul, and pursue it. Very interesting. Did you catch this? So in the verses preceding that we read there in 10, we had lips, and then we had what? Tongue. Really hunkered down on that thought. Now he says this in the ESV, seek and pursue it. Do you think seeking and pursuing is important here would be the question? When there's repetition, not just Hebrew, that's part of the Hebrew language, but here in the original Greek, when there's a repeating of a thought, make a mental note as you study your Bible, go, wait a minute, this is really mission critical to seek and pursue it. Well, here's our last key, key number three. Write it down, key number three. If I desire to please the Lord, I will seek and pursue peace with God through Christ. Write this down. If I desire to please the Lord, I will seek and pursue peace with God through Christ. Have you noticed this, that true biblical peace, church, between two or more people can only truly occur, talking about true biblical peace, can only truly occur when both parties are pursuing the Lord. If one's pursuing the Lord and the other says they're pursuing the Lord, but they're really not pursuing the Lord, there's going to be a breakdown. Again, light darkness. When you stand for truth, if you are a true believer here today, you again have the Holy Spirit light within you. And He will give you peace even when there's not peace around you. And that's the really cool part, isn't it? Ever been around someone who, like all Hades, is breaking loose around them? And somehow you look at them and you go, like, they're not lying. They actually have peace because you see it on their countenance. Where do they get that from? Go down to aisle 12 at Walmart and pick that up on the top shelf? Is that what they do? No. They get it from Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. Matter of fact, we know this from His Word. Think about this in Romans 5.1. Write this down, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified, declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that is a clarion call verse. If you're a true believer in the room today, man, you want to write that down. You want to have that somewhere where you see that verse day in and day out. Let me read that one more time. Romans 5.1. Therefore, in light of what was said there in the preceding verses, since, very important word, since, because it's true, since we have been justified, declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God. How? 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. So many people all across our country today would shout a hearty amen that they want the peace of God. Church, you will never have the peace of God unless you first have peace with God. You'll never have the peace of Him unless you make peace with Him. How do you make peace with Him? Well, the verse tells us right there, it's through Jesus. When you give your life to Christ, and it's real and it's true, you will now have that peace. Why? Because the real issue is not that family member you're dealing with. That's not the real issue in your life. The real issue in your life is not that you're having trouble paying your bills. The real issue in your life is is not that person at the workplace that's giving you fits. The real issue in your life is the question of, have you made peace with God? Because if you haven't made peace with God, here's the reality. The Bible says this, that I'm living in pridefulness. And if I'm living in pridefulness, the Bible also says this, that God's going to war against me. Don't overthink this. If you and God are going to war against each other, how much peace is going to be in your life? See, so many people, even inside churches all across our country, who profess the name of Jesus are actually enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. And they're going to war against Him. And no wonder there isn't any peace. A second verse I want to give you is from John 14, 27. Listen to what Jesus says in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you and my peace I give to you, not as the world gives it. Okay, so make a note of that. Let me read it one more time. Peace I leave with you, Jesus speaking. My peace I give to you, but not as the world gives it. Do I give it to you? Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You know, so many times we read about the words of Jesus. We'll often profess this. We'll say, you know what? I believe in Jesus. That's a good thing, amen? Wouldn't you agree that, church, that when someone says, I believe in Jesus, would you affirm to them and go, that's a good thing, amen? But here's the breakdown. We'll read the words of Jesus. We'll claim we believe in Jesus, but so often we simply don't believe Jesus. When he says, let not your hearts be troubled, he's really serious. Not filler. I got a few extra spots there in the page. Let me just kind of put that in there to you know, get that page full. No, let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because I've given my life to Christ. My life's no longer my own. Here, take my life and let it be. And the peace of God that surpasses all human understandings will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's what the peace of God does. Hebrews 12, 14 says it like this. Strive for peace. Strive for peace with everyone and, now here, this gets dicey, here we go, and, there's an and here, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Let me read that one more time. Word of God right here, high and lifted up in all its glory. Hebrews 12, 14, strive for peace with everyone. We stop there and go, see, told you so. Wait a minute, read the whole verse. And what happens? For the holiness 
without which no one will see the Lord. There's something that we call narrow way living. Narrow way living. It launches from Matthew. When Matthew's speaking there, he says, narrow is the way. Narrow is the way that leads where? To life. Few will find it. Narrow and few in life, eternal, that, that lasts forever with King Jesus. But wide is the path. Wide is the path. It's broad, it's wide. Many, it says, many. Man, they're just going in by it. Ooh, let's go party. Here we go. And many are going in by it. And it says this, that they're going to reap utter destruction. It's like the parable of the four soils. There's four soils. One was good, 25%. I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking this thing, but perhaps could that be alluding to the narrow way? That's a few, 25%. But Jesus, we profess, man, we're in for you, man. Jesus, have you seen what I do around the church house? I'm amazing. I serve here and do that and teach this and preach here. You're glad I'm on your team, aren't you, Jesus? And then in those last days, in those last days, depart from me. You don't know me, and I don't know you. And what a sorry day that's going to be for so many people. And it's that verse that motivates me every day. Every day I'm motivated by that verse. I think about it every day. Depart from me. You don't know me. You're doing all this stuff, and you're saying this stuff, but but you don't know me. And my goal in life is to herald the truth till my final dying breath that no matter what happens, that people prayerfully will run to the cross and just surrender their lives to Jesus. See, if you really want to live good days, good days, if you want to see them, there's only one way to do it, church, and that's to give your life to Jesus today. Father, we come before you. And Lord, as we think on your truth, as we think on your goodness, the Holy Spirit's saying, you need to get right. Holy Spirit, will you move? Holy Spirit, will you move? Right now, Holy Spirit, don't allow us to rebel. Give us a heart that wants to obey. Give us a heart that wants to be set free, and today can be the day that you get set free. So Holy Spirit, all of this room, just stir. Stir in power. Stir in repentance. Stir in humility. Stir in seeking you. Stir, Holy Spirit, will you stir? Oh, Father, will you just move in this place? Lord, don't allow us to disobey, for you don't bless disobedience, you bless obedience. 
Lord, give someone the courage today to start the revival, to be the kindling, to crawl up on the altar and say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Holy Spirit, move heavy in this place. As you stir, as you prompt, may we be found faithful right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.